Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your co-host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. The Story Discovery Podcast is sponsored by Scrivener. I've been using Scrivener since 2014, and I never looked back. It's an amazing tool for writers in that it lets you build research in the same document that you're doing your work. You can put in images and PDFs. You can organize your work using the corkboard view. You can set goals. You can export it to multiple formats, including ebook and manuscript. There's really nothing Scrivener can't do in the writing universe, and I highly recommend it, which is why I'm so pleased that they're a sponsor. If you'd like to check them out, you can follow the link from our website or just type Scrivener into your search engine. Our listeners get a 20% discount by using the coupon code STORYDISCOVERY at checkout. If you're a writer and you haven't tried Scrivener, I highly recommend it. Give Scrivener a try. You won't regret it. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2022. All rights reserved. On today's show, you'll hear Ghost Bike, written by Jean Turchin and narrated by Melissa Collings. Settle in and enjoy. Ghost Bike by R. Jean Turchin I'm going out, she says. I see the small tote she carries near her leg. Heads of live and plastic flowers poke out of the bag. She stands in a way that attempts to obscure my view. Small secrets cloud us with things not shared. My own stuffed deep down in a pocket or under socks in a drawer. We've talked this out until there are no more words to hang on to. She will do what she will. I nod, not up for another confrontation. Fifteen years. Not every day, but more days than not. She walks or takes the Ford truck to the turn where the gravel road meets the highway. She searched yard sales until she found it. The perfect small girl's bike at a yard sale. Ten dollars. Loaded in the truck, bungees snaking and coiling through the frame, keeping it still. She kept twisting to peer through the cab window as it jostled in the truck bed, as if it might break free. I welded it to pieces of three-foot-long rebar driven into the ground. She wanted it displayed on the curve, where passing cars would notice it. Three cans of pale white spray paint blurred its skin and tires. Can you put a spotlight on it for at night? She asked. There was no way to bring power wires up that far from the house, I explained. She looked back toward the house and then at the structure. The turn of her lips said she didn't believe me. The basket must always contain bright flowers, some real and others counterfeit. The weeds must be kept trimmed. Nothing may impede the view of passing cars. The ghost bike is a thing that will not be moved, much like her soul. 
painted white, but cold and frozen. In the first months of obsession, I'd asked why. Her repeated response was, you know what happened. As if knowing explained it all. The room remained unchanged. Dust blanketing everything behind a locked door. When she attended preachings on Sunday mornings, I'd pry the lock, pull the covers, open the windows. Later, she'd slam the windows, coughing at the dust, cursing at my insolence, resigning but never forgiving my intrusions. She deserves a monument, she said. Such a beautiful child, and she loved her bike. Not this bike. Hers had been different. Tricked out she called it, jumping piled-up logs and dirt mounds, falling and bruising, wearing scars like merit badges. We were sidelined spectators on the porch. Charlotte tried to teach her mother to pedal, but she never learned, though they laughed together a short moment in the trying. She clings to that, a single photon of sunlight in a storm. Charlotte ran away to Chicago the day after high school graduation. Said she was staying overnight at a party with friends down the street. The phone disrupted us with its old bells the next afternoon, long after we had expected her home. They'd driven all night, she said. Her friend knew a friend with a place in Chicago where they could stay. They'd be okay, and she'd write. I nodded at her voice on the phone, though she couldn't see. I won't come home. She paused, a long silence. Her breath was a pulse in the phone. Mom won't change, will she? I shook my head silently. No. Though she hadn't been this way when we married, or I chose not to notice. No. I said again, my voice hoarse, as if it was harder to say the second time. Two weeks before graduation, Charlotte had come out to us at the kitchen table after a dinner with too much silence. We talked for hours that night, her mother denying, cajoling, crying. I'm not a girl inside, Charlotte said. Her mother stood, pushing hard from the table, her eyes cold flint. You're dead to me she said. My daughter is dead. When she left the room, I touched Charlotte's shaking hand. She'll come around. She does love you, I said. We lived an angry, fragile month until Charlotte finished school and disappeared. Ten years of dry leaves have shifted by, blown into a ditch of memories. Still, she tends the bike, planting and watering flowers, touching up the paint. I stand a small distance away, her back hunched like her heart over the tilled earth. Don't you think it's about time you let this go? He's not coming back, I said. She froze, turning slowly, a blaze of cold hate on her face. She would have come to her senses if you hadn't told her it was okay. It's been four years, 
The surgery's done. He's happy. Let it go. Welcome him home. She turned, slashing the earth with her small shovel, her shoulders seeming to collapse inward, perhaps against the chill wind that pushes down through the trees, brushing a wide space between us. She is welcome to come home anytime, but he is not my child. You've just listened to Ghost Bike by R. Jean Turchin. Welcome to the post-story portion of the podcast. I'm your co-host, Melissa, here with JW. Hello. We've got Jean on the show today to discuss this timely piece and also to get to know the mind behind this work. Welcome, Jean. Uh, thank you for having me. We are pleased to have you and to talk about your work. Jean writes in many genres, his tendency being darker science fiction, and his work has appeared in multiple publications. Interestingly, after reading some of Jean's stories, his wife tends to ask, do I know you? So, <laughs> so let's see what we can find out about this author. Who is Jean Turchin? Okay, I'm a retired former technology teacher. Um, that was in my last career. Uh, prior to that, I worked for a utility company, always been involved in technology, and always had a passion for writing. Mm. But uh, work and family kept me from doing that prohibitively, uh, except for little tiny pieces here and there. Um, yeah. And once I retired, my wife said, go do your thing. Oh, I Ooh, love that's it. That's great. Yeah. So how long have you been retired and how long have you been uh, cranking out the stories? Uh, I have had a shoebox, two shoeboxes of printed rejection slips from early 70s. So I've been oh, doing wow. that since then. Yeah. Um, so the last six years since I've been retired, I produce a lot of stuff. Uh, some of it nonsense, some of it not worthy of publication. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> yes. All productive, uh, though. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I think that's one of the big things about uh, writing. Uh, there, a lot of people say they want to write, but mm -hmm. they don't. And mm -hmm. no matter what you do, you, you have to sit down and, and bang on the keyboard and, mm -hmm. and then get brave and send it out. That's the yeah. other key. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, this is a very interesting flash fiction piece. I was just going to ask, is there, um, can you tell some background about it or what inspired you to write it? Yes, this is an odd one. Uh, one of our trips down to Florida, we drive down from West Virginia. Um, we get off the interstate and turn on to basically uh, local roads. And as we had turned off, there was a, uh, a house back behind the trees. And mm -hmm. in front, there was a flower garden. And there was this painted bicycle. And mm -hmm. saw it out of the corner of my eye, almost turned around and went back to look at it. Um, by the time we got to the next stoplight, there was two thirds of a story formed in my head. Oh, wow. It, it just, it was one of those that just came out of nowhere. Uh, the story went through probably a couple of dozen permutations and, mm -hmm. um, every time I sent it out, I'd re-edit it and re-edit it, trying to get the, the words just, just right. Yeah. Um, and then. Were you getting feedback on it when you sent it out? 
Uh, I have a writing group that I belong to. Oh, yeah. Um, and I threw it at them, and I think it was like the scene uh, in Alice's Restaurant, if you are familiar with the, the old Arlo Guthrie song, uh, where he says something and all the people move to the other end of the bench. Well, when my <laughs> writing group read it, they go, uh, okay, <laughs> what's your next story? Oh, no. <laughs> but you stuck with it. Yeah, even I after really that. enjoyed So you story. were determined. Yeah, I thought it had fairly good bones. And okay. it's more literary than most of the stuff that I do. So Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, my initial reaction, of course, and I'm sure this is probably most readers and listeners, was that someone, a daughter, a child had died. But yes. you flip it. So they sort of did, I guess, in um, the spouse's eyes. But anyway, it's, uh, it's a good twist. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought you did a great job in 800 plus words. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, flash fiction by itself is just a, a beginning, a middle, and an end in under a yeah. thousand words. Yeah. It's yeah. such a challenge. It is. But I, I think my, you know, the longer pieces are harder for me to write. Uh, I'm in the process of finishing a 300-page-plus novel, and it, it has been agonizing. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And, and just incidentally, uh, with this story, I've had a wasn't one of my students, but the cousin of one of my students when I was teaching that was transgender, didn't find out until years later and reconnected mm. with her on Facebook. And we yeah. exchanged a lot of, uh, so I kind of got a little bit of um, feeling from her, what it was mm -hmm. like. Yeah. So even though that isn't covered in the story at all, uh, it, it kind of helped with the vibe. Absolutely. You know, that brings up an interesting topic of kind of um, almost like an iceberg, you know, the what you see, the story that you get, there's a whole bit, piece of the iceberg under the water that you don't get to see. And it makes the story come alive. The backstories of the characters. I know a lot of the times when I'm looking at in my own writing group, you know, we're looking at each other's writing and you have everything on the page. It's like, well, you had to get it out there because now we know the story. But some of this you need to trim away because you just need to know it to make the story authentic. So I really like that. I like that we can know, you know, a little bit of your iceberg in the story. I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Raymond Carver, Elmore Leonard, and, and Hemingway. And mm -hmm. I, I've come to realize that, that I, I probably emulate them a little bit in that I don't put everything down on the page. So let yeah. the reader kind of fill it in. Yeah. So yeah, Flash works very well for that. I like that. So do you find you find Flash easier than the long form? That kind of blows my mind. That's really an interesting. I know, because it's hard to get a mm -hmm. story into that few words. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us about the novels you're working on? Uh, the, the one that I'm trying to finish now, science fiction, it's a time travel novel, mm. uh, which presents just a plethora of problems in trying to keep the chronology, and that's not a pun, uh, <laughs> straight. Yeah. What happened when they went back and did this? What happened when this person did that? Um, but the concept of that one was that uh, a in an experiment that goes awry, a couple is sent back in a capsule uh, to the 15th century and something goes wrong and they get stuck temporarily. 
and in the process, uh, they have an intimate relationship, and uh, she conceives a child. So the child is kind of born out of time. Oh wow! Um, and that was that was the idea. Now try to make like three hundred three hundred pages plus with that. Right. Um, that makes it interesting because it has to. The child has to get grow older, and uh, you have to develop the story over, say, sixteen or twenty years. That makes it a problem. So yeah. interesting. So they don't ever come back in time or anything like that yet, or do you know? Um, well, one of the characters, the male character that travels with her, uh, experiences spontaneous jumps um, unwillingly. Mm. Precipitated by a a, a severe migraine headache, hmm. wow. and then when once the baby is born, the the woman doesn't experience these, but the child starts to get headaches, and she leaves him in a in a room, puts him down with some ice packs on his head. She goes back into the room, and he's gone. Oh, oh my goodness! This is great. That's so, a good idea. Yeah. So it's a four-year-old who has jumped back in time spontaneously. She doesn't know what's happened to him, and you know that trying to tries to get the uh, emotion and the uh, drama of the story going. That's terrific. Again, That's exciting. Yeah. Three hundred pages plus is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you have you ever read the Time Traveler's Wife? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, yes. it's some um, reminiscent of that in some ways, with uncontrollably bouncing around in time. Right, and and the uh, the movie Jumper. Hmm, I haven't seen that. I haven't either. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, it's, it's the same principle. Yeah, and then also timeline. I think that's a Crichton. I'm not hundred percent sure. Timeline is where some people go back in time to like the fifteenth or like medieval mm -hmm. time. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think that was a Crichton. Yeah, they get stuck in the Middle Ages. Right, exactly. Very put... brutal and violent. Yes, yes, it's kind of uh, Game of Thrones ish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and which is surprising, <laughs> at least was to me anyway. <laughs> so you're, how far are you into it? It's complete. Okay. Um, I, I'm just trying to go back and make every chapter a page turner. Yes. Which. You know, as a, a kind of a scientist and engineer, I, I tend towards info dumps. Oh, you <laughs> should know all of this. Right, <laughs> yes, right. yes. You must know. Yes. Um, so uh, I have to eliminate that, particularly my writing group. Uh, yeah, I snoozed while you were talking about all the technical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's there good. is a, some of that in science fiction. You just have to figure out how to do it. Sprinkle it in, basically, right? That's what everyone I'm says. Currently reading Andy Weir's uh, follow-up to The Martian, um, mm. the Hail Mary project. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like science info dumps, don't read that book. Yeah, oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, it's, everybody has a different taste. So it's, you know, you have to find your right audience, I think, yes. in some cases. Then in other cases, you know got to have that juice for everyone you know you've got to have parts of it that just make a good story which is where your writing group comes in you know like you've got to have a good story but then some little tweaks like maybe this is not you're not my audience for this and you have yes. to know that it's a challenge to know when you're in a writing group what to take and and apply to your novel and then what to maybe not take uh, because there's so mm -hmm. many different opinions out there. So how often do you meet in your writing group? Um, every two weeks, and I'm pretty much the only male. There's one younger guy in, in the group, 
and they are primarily romance writers. Really? Yes. That's interesting. But the group is really, really supportive, and uh, we do line editing on each piece that somebody submits. So you have this wonderful paper that's the best writing you've ever done in your life, <laughs> and you get it back, and it's all red lines and comments. Yeah. <laughs> so you submit it ahead of time before a group and then talk about it? How does it? How does your process go? Uh, yeah, we submit it ahead of time. We found that that works better. You email yeah. a week ahead. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a chance to read it. They can make their comments, uh, track changes, that whole thing, and then uh, email it back to you. And then the evening that we have on Zoom, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. we uh, we go ahead and, and discuss it and uh, ask questions. And a lot of times there will, well, why did you say this? So then you get to yeah. explain that. That's nice. Oh, interesting, yeah. I think with the writer group, yeah, it's very important to know what the strengths are of all of the people that are in it. Yeah. And if they've not read science fiction, then they're still valuable as reader, beta readers. But yeah, you have to understand they may not know sort of the, I don't know, the, what's it called? There's, there's a word for it. I'm just blanking on the it. Tropes. Yeah, the tropes. Yeah, the tropes and kind of the. Just um, what's supposed to, the elements that are supposed to be a part yeah. of science fiction. Yeah. Yeah, there's a fancy yeah I, I have uh, <laughs> several times I, in my writing, I would use the term swag, scientific wild guess. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Okay. And then each each time they would, well, what does that mean? Why why did you just use the abbreviation? Because anyone reading science fiction would know that. Okay. But but they don't. So interesting. At least yeah. you know that's interesting. Yeah. So now, do you enjoy reading romance since they're romance writers, or how does that work? Because that's very <sighs> interesting. A couple of uh, two of the writers in our our group. Um, Sandra, who goes by Zena Archer, uh, her writing pen name, she's like two years older than me, which puts her in the high 70s. <laughs> she writes with the voice of a 24-year-old. Oh, awesome. And her latest book is A Paranormal Romance. Okay. It's about uh, sh shapeshifters. And she's such a fine writer, it's painful. Um. <laughs> and, and then another one, uh, a younger, uh, she's in her mid-30s. She's just writing a coming-of-age uh, story. And again, I read it, and I'm just so envious of the quality of her writing. Oh. And it just seems to flow where yeah. I have to struggle with every sentence. Yeah. Everybody is different. That's interesting, though. So what are your plans? Are you going to self-publish? Are you going to look for an agent, a small publisher? <laughs> um, I tend towards the traditional route. Um, okay. I will try to find an agent. Uh, okay. Trying to build my resume with short stories and flash fiction. Yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. when I send up, hey, I have actually published things. That right. makes you look better. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's validating your work. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that Including is. Us. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Validation is so important. Um, yeah. About the time I got the acceptance from you guys, I had gone through probably about two, two and a half months. Everything I sent out got rejected. Oh, yeah. And stuff. you all know how painful that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I, I need to start drinking or, or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised because this piece, like I said, it's it's very well written and, and fun and yeah, uh, it is. timely. Well, that one was a real celebration for me because literally that was when I sent it to you guys, it was the 20th time 
if you've been out and back. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show you the tastes of of different magazines, people in general. I can't stress that enough. But also what I mentioned before in another in another podcast, you never know why your piece is being rejected. Mm-hmm. They could have something similar and maybe they got a lot of pieces like this and that's mm-hmm. why they didn't accept it. But you never know. You may think, oh, <laughs> well, my pe- I just am not a good writer or, you know, and it's not that at all. And right. they don't necessarily have time to tell you the reasons. So. Absolutely. Uh, I always, you know, occasional, there are those magazines that will send you a, a positive rejection, you know? It, yes. Yeah. And that kind of gives you hope to keep on trying, but that has to be. To differentiate between a wannabe writer and a writer is you have to send stuff out and you've got to take the pain that comes with it. Mm-hmm. You really do. Totally. Really well, do. And one of the our writers recommended every time you get a rejection, you send out two more. Because yeah. for them, it's kind of a numbers game. It's, you know, it is. you will find your audience and you will find your places that will publish. It just takes time. Yeah. I've For the darker stuff, I've found a couple of places. Uh, Cosmic Horror Monthly. Wonderful title. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, and, and they like kind of avant-garde, creepy things. Another one is uh, Siren's Call, uh, hmm. which is a non-paying market, which I've, I've kind of pushed towards the paying markets lately. Mm-hmm. But again, wonderful editors that, you know, okay, we like the story, but you need to change this, this, and this. Oh, right. that's great. And I just so much appreciate when they do that. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, well, we we just recently became a paying market. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is our, I think this is our first time round. We had a contest that we paid out on, but this is our first time actually paying just for submissions. It's um, yeah, as a nano press is what we call ourselves. It's a little challenging. Nanopress. Yeah, I I mean, we're so tiny, but um, you know, we're trying to make it work. We're trying to figure it out. It's a love. It's a uh, what's that called? A passion project, I guess. Passion project. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of small uh, publications are passion projects. You yeah. Do it because you. You want to see the good works out there. Exactly. Yeah. It's so fun to get all these cool pieces. So. Hey, I, I did have a question, though. So when you're writing either on the, like the long form or with your short stories or Flash, do you feel like you're learning anything about yourself as these stories kind of come out? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. this question. Uh, obviously, uh, I tell now that a few people know that I write, I tell them, you know, be careful what you say around me. It will end up in. in a <laughs> That's <thing>. true. <laughs> and I also tell my children that. that uh, you might be in this. You might be in this. You in might spirit. not recognize yourself, but you'll be. Right. In. Yeah. Right. So what I learn about myself. Um, writing is, is, is a craft. It takes a lot of work. Again, you guys know this. Yeah. And. Sometimes you have to dig into your soul and do things that put things on paper that are really uncomfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's when you get the better work. I think you, you're right. You you put your bare soul on the on the page. People recognize genuineness. You know, I think we're drawn to genuine. Yes. They know when you're not being real. It shows. It just does. It's one of those seams on the page. It it shows. Yeah, and that's the, you know, sometimes when you're writing, you you get into the, you know, if you want to be a professional writer, you write every day, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Mm -hmm. And two days later, you go back and reread it and say, eh, 
that wasn't genuine. That was, yeah. that was fake. And you either uh, delete that part or you sit down and make it, make it whole. Yeah. Right, right. Well, one of our previously published authors, Eric Vana, he's had a great story where he talked about his um, father-in-law was a musician who played, you know, was a professional musician, and he played every day. And um, one time when he was visiting, he realized he hadn't played it like bedtime, so he ran out, grabbed, he had, like, played the horn, I don't remember what it was, but just grabbed the mouthpiece and like blew into it. You know, it was like, so, okay, I've played, you know, whatever. Yeah. And and so that inspired Eric to continue to write every day. And, and um, it's it's story. practice. Yeah, I mean, basically yeah. it's practice. And so, yeah, is it always going to sound good when you're blowing through the mouthpiece? No. But are you like semi-practicing? Yes. You know, and that's kind yeah. of the point. You do. You get better every time you do that. And now you're making me feel really guilty because I haven't written <laughs> in a little while. Well, uh, Ray yeah. Bradbury said that you should try, if you want to be a writer, try to write a story a week because hmm. no one could write 52 bad stories in a year. Ah. Interesting. That's a good point. That's good. I like it. I like that. That's really cool. No one can write 52 bad stories. I Although that's I'm not true. sure about that. Yeah, I know. I wanted to say that, but then I thought, you know, the more you write, I guess if nobody's reading it, if you're writing the same thing over and over again, then you may not correct those errors that you had, right. you know, in 51, maybe the same error that you had in number one. But if somebody's looking at it and you, you are feedback. able to, yeah, get feedback and grow. That's great. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the reasons my writing is characterized schizophrenic. Uh, I'll write a <laughs> science fiction. I'll write a literary. I do some poetry. I do comic books. Um, just whatever comes to mind. But every day, that's the key. That's like terrific. That. Okay. That's All right. Terrific. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back into it. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I'm an inspiration. No, yeah, I've, yeah. I've been putting, I'm starting a new novel. Well, I've started it already, but I'm having trouble getting back to it. I have a lot of motivation to get back to it, but um, I just haven't. And it's, every day, it's like something else gets in the way. And I've, you've got to make time. You've got to make yeah. time. You do. Well, you know, again, I, when, when I was younger, even though I wrote, I just couldn't, you know, you know, Stephen King writing by his hot water tank with a portable typewriter sitting right. on his lap. I couldn't get to that. I had had to raise a family and, and work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just didn't happen that way. So retirement was good. A lot of people quit writing by the time they're they're my age. But now, yeah. this, you know, you have the maybe not the inspiration, but you have more data to work. Right, you've got all oh, yeah. that life experience. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the comic. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm curious. So tell us, just have you written them before? Do you have a, an artist you're working for, or do you just come up with the scripts? How does that go? Uh, I, I usually come up with the scripts, and um, I attempt to draw. Nice. Um, and recently I've moved into uh, doing it digitally. Uh, there's a wonderful hmm. piece of software called Procreate that you can use on an iPad that uh, uh, lets you draw. And I found out that, like for a, a real comic book, you have the, the sketcher, someone who draws the thing, and then you have someone who inks it, and then yeah, you have really. someone who does the flat colors, and then you have someone who does the finished colors with all the shadows and stuff, and then you hmm. have the person who wrote the script. Really? I had no idea that many people were involved. Yes. So even if you have a script and you get an artist, 
you still have like three or four more other people that you have to get. And and right now, comic books are just hard to break into because okay. most of the publishers want a finished product. Hmm. Oh, so, so you have to find everybody yourself. Right. And as opposed to writers who do everything on spec, right? You, you mm -hmm. write your story and send it out and hope. Right. Uh, artists want paid up front. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So if you get someone to do the sketches and the inking, you've got to shell out a couple hundred dollars at minimum to get that product right. before you can send it to a, a publisher. So it is difficult. Occasionally, um, a couple of years ago, I found a, a hungry artist and I sent him a script and he said, oh yeah, I'd love to draw this. And oh, cool. uh, it was another casual statement to an editor and he said, oh, you have comic books? Send it to me. So oh. we, we sent him this little story and he published it. So that was oh, terrific. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I have a rather voluminous, I think probably at least six issues, um, uh, story about a kind of an android or a robot. I love that, robots. I love robots. I, I, I wrote it originally as a short story and I was looking at it and I said, geez, you know, this begs for a picture here begs for an image here. So I started sketching out roughs on it. And by the time I got the first one done, I had about 25 pages, which is about a normal length for a comic book. And then I said, but the story's not complete. So hmm. I wrote another section and another section and another section. Um, I have a dream of getting that one out there someday, but it's oh, going to cool. be a matter of finding the artist and the people to work with on that. Yeah, that's now, terrific. Uh, oddly, in, in my little town of Fairmont, there is a group, a uh, small publishing company, uh, Electromagnetic Press. Uh, that, that sounds guys... like perfect for robots. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the guys works for a power company, That therefore the name, That's uh, great. his day job. I like but, it. But um, they publish comic books and some novels and stuff. So I've, uh, I've worked with them a little bit. Hopefully, when I get one of these more complete that that they'll publish it as, as a comic book. So, Well, that's great. Well, so one question is, is script writing for comics similar to screenplays? So do you yes. set the scene and then yes. basically a bunch of dialogue and then this yeah. is what's happening and then more dialogue, things like that? Yeah, very much like a screenplay. Uh, format is just a little bit different. Hmm. Um, so you, you will do you know, panel one shows. Okay. So you do a description of panel one. And then panel two shows and so forth like that. Oh, fascinating. Uh, some of the artists find, well, you're too descriptive in your panel. I want to draw it my way. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How so, do you react to that? Do you let them go with it or it's like, no? <laughs> uh, send me a sample of what, what your vision is and I'll, I'll look at it. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, reasonable. That's cool. mm -hmm. Yeah. The other interesting thing about that, if you actually hire an artist to do it, it's a, a paperwork thing. So even though he does all the, the work, he hands that stuff over to you. It's yours for, for copyright. Purposes. Right. You're buying it basically. Yes. yes. Right. You're paying them. Yeah. 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 Neat. Fascinating. Cool. That, that is fascinating. Yeah. You learn a lot of stuff just dipping your toes in all these waters. Right. Right. Yeah. And the internet is such an amazing resource for writers now, not only on the research of the story elements of your plot or whatever aspect you know you're looking into but also just in the process and how you go about it and yeah. you know you got to get published it's amazing now 
Yeah. There's a lot of hoops to go through. And nobody, you know, if when you just look, pick up a book and you read it, that author had to go through so many hoops to get that mm -hmm. book on the shelf. And the reader, I never knew this before I started jumping through those hoops. Right. But the the reader has no idea that all of that goes into yeah, it. I've, I've often said you might do two weeks worth of research, uh, half a dozen books, days on the Internet to write two lines. Right, right. Yeah. That's to get point. them perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The research behind it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming up on uh, just about 30 minutes here, so we should probably wrap it up. Melissa, do you have a question you want to ask before the end question? You just want to go straight to it? I'm open. Oh, let's ask that writing query question because... Okay. We haven't done that in a while. I, we have. And it's my favorite question. So do you have any... like your, Okay. I like if you have a writing quirk, something that makes your writing process unusual. But if you don't, then kind of describe your atmosphere. What is around you when you are... Um, writing music lighting coffee tea silence tell us about that i don't have any quirks that i can think of oh other than, shoot yeah <laughs> well other than wait oh other okay, than, okay. More. Uh, if i get frustrated i get up and i start walking around or i go to the guitar and plug the guitar in okay and, you know bang out some some hard chords and then I can come back and, and do that. Or I, I walk back and talk to my wife and say, this is what I'm doing and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, mm, okay, I don't understand it, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, I say that's a quirk. I think that's kind of cool. It you pick is. up an instrument when you're hitting that um, those lulls. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to – I'm picturing you rocking out for a minute, mm -hmm. jogging loose some ideas. I yeah, great. I think that's what it is. You got to yeah. kind of shake your head and, and get the ideas loose. And then yeah. sometimes you just have to sleep on it. Yeah. I have a friend who runs. She gets all of her ideas when she runs. And so yeah. it, it's kind of like jogging those. It's similar. I used to do that. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Oh, yeah. no. The knees. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Running's not so good for the knees. And the back. Yeah. 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 It's not. Walking, Walking incline. Walking incline is yep. good. I worked for a spine surgeon, and he would always say for the runners, walk incline. That's what he did. Yeah. So it's a oh, good, interesting. Yeah. good thing to get your I'll exercise. I'll take that to heart. Yeah. yeah. I'm in Florida now. There are kind no of hard inclines. To find some inclines. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You make, eh, it's hard to create something inclined too. So yeah. maybe yeah. you can bend a palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> With my mind. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there's a story. All right. That's inspiration. Take that. <laughs> Sounds Take good. that and run with it. Okay. Okay. Are we closing up here? Yeah. So our last question that we have been asking for a good year and a half now is... Um, year and a half. That's I cool. Know. Craziness. I love that. Share any piece of writing advice for new writers that you wish you'd known when starting out, or if there's just any writing advice in general you'd like to let folks know, and you know that readers, uh, listeners might find helpful change your reading style and read a lot uh, by change your reading style read as a writer hmm. look for how the sentences are structured how much exposition there is as opposed to dialogue mm -hmm. uh, and read a lot read 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 i and love that read outside of your favorite genre i like mm -hmm. that too uh, you know, you hear reading a lot, but reading outside of your genre, I think, is a good good advice. So you can it might 
be another thing to jog something else loose or give you some inspiration? Yeah, if, if you write science fiction, read Westerns. If you write romance, read hardcore core murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. There's always that's something good. to learn. Absolutely. That, oh, so always, there's always something to learn oh, within those oh, yes. pages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Michelangelo, Great. I am still learning. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And, that, and he was, you know, master. So <laughs> just goes to show you when you're starting out, you got a long way to go. But it's doable. One step at a time. I love it. And this has been fun. It has been fun. Well, Gene, thanks so much for coming on the show and submitting your work and letting us share it with the world. So we're really excited to kind of get it on this show where people can listen to it as well as in the magazine on the website. So thanks again. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Yes. So good to meet you. And good luck. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please help us spread the word by telling your friends or giving us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Those reviews really make a difference. We'd like to thank the folks at Literature and Latte, the makers of Scrivener, for sponsoring the podcast and providing an amazing tool for writers. If you'd like to take your writing to the next level and use a tool designed for writers by writers, then give Scrivener a try. What have you got to lose? The Story Discovery Podcast is a free, narrated podcast of the works that appear in Etched Onyx Magazine. Edited by J.W. McAteer, all stories and poems are available for free at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast and or the magazine, please consider a small donation through Patreon at patreon.com slash onyxpublications. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poem for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.